a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast that's focused on the world around us. Every week we choose something that's going on in the world, something political or otherwise, and we break it down for you. This man does. Dr. Keith Souter, commentator for many decades on Australian affairs, on international affairs, better said. My name's Kate Mack. Keith, let's get straight into it this week. It is 20 years since September 11, which means it's almost 20 years since we were part of the coalition that invaded Afghanistan, which we've just come out of in a very messy manner. Where has this all gotten us? <laughs> well, in, in one sense, we're back to where we were on the original 9-11. In other words, that the Taliban were running Afghanistan on 9-11. Let me just explain the significance of that phrase. 9-11 means obviously the 11th of September, but it's also a play on words. So the British who invented emergency calls to the police have got 999. We have triple zero. The Americans have 9-11, which is why there is this play on words which the Americans use for 9-11, which is both a date but also a call for help, call for the police, medical emergency, etc. So if you go back 20 years ago, Afghanistan was controlled by the Taliban. Taliban comes from the word talib, which means scholar, student. So the Soviets had failed in their invasion of Afghanistan. They'd been lured into it, as we now know it, by the Americans who wanted to create their own Vietnam. And it's interesting to note that the fellow who was the architect of getting the Soviet Union to invade Afghanistan, his name was Zebanu Brzezinski, and he was the national security advisor to President Carter. And his own phrase is, what is more important in world history, the Taliban or the collapse of the Soviet empire? Some agitated Muslims or the liberation of Central Europe and the end of the Cold War? So Zebanu Brzezinski went to his grave not regretting any of the work that he had done. He created these fundamentalist Muslim groups. They were active in the southern part of what was then the old Soviet empire. That drew the Soviet Union into their own Vietnam, which was Afghanistan. They invaded in 1979, stayed a decade and got defeated. It led to the uh, creation of a drug problem in the Soviet Union and, of course, it contributed to the collapse of the Soviet Union. So Zebanu Brzezinski would say, well, I'm glad that we helped those fundamentalist Muslims. It helped destroy the Soviet empire. So 1989, the Soviet Union is pushed out of Afghanistan. Then you get years of chaos as the Americans go back into Afghanistan trying to buy back their service to air missiles, which they had given the Mujahideen, they'd been a key factor in beating the Soviet helicopters. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so they, they were trying to buy them back, uh, but they had no interest in rebuilding the country or anything like that. They, the Russians got out and the Americans said, well, we, we're going to get out as well. So you then have chaos in Afghanistan. And then eventually this group of young scholars who had been educated in Pakistan, so they had fled their homeland because of the Soviet invasion, and this group of scholars, Talib, the Taliban, plural version of Talib, then took over control of the country. And so they were running the country from the mid-1990s until 2001. 
They were the ones who took the country back into a much more conservative approach. They smashed the televisions and hang them up from trees. They banned pop music. All men were to grow beards. Women were not allowed out of their homes without a male escort. It sounds amazingly fun, Keith. Enjoyable lives. Enjoyable lives. Well, they're they're clean living young Muslims. So they also hosted Al-Qaeda. So Al-Qaeda had declared war on the Clinton administration in the late 1990s, been driven out of Africa by Clinton and were then hosted in Afghanistan. So you actually have two groups. It gets very confusing. So you have the Taliban, who are the ethnic Pashtuns. So they are the local Afghanis from one particular big tribal area. And then you have what are called the Afghan Arabs, which were Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda means the base. So the Americans helped finance Al-Qaeda as a base against the Soviet Union in its invasion. And then bin Laden, having driven the Soviets out of Afghanistan, then took on the United States. So they then conducted, we assume, the operation on 9-11. I've got to say, um, as someone who's lived with 9-11 for 20 years, your colleagues at Channel 7 called me in at midnight on 9-11 for a special edition of what we would now call Sunrise. So I've been living with it for 20 years. The more I learn, the less I understand particularly how the towers came down. There's a continuing debate about how the two planes were able to bring down those towers. Those towers were designed to withstand being brought down by planes because a plane had gone into an Empire State Building in the 1930s. So there was this fear that you would have planes going into those buildings. And, of course, the other one is the World Trade Center, Building Number 7, which was across the laneway. So I I was in New York in 1970 when the buildings opened, the two big towers, and across the laneway, it's a huge campus, and across the laneway is World Trade Tower Number 7, a much shorter building, and that just collapsed in on itself. On September 11. On September 11. Later in the day, it just folded in on itself. And engineers who look at that say, look, the building has imploded. When the building's constructed like that, catch fire, they don't fall in on themselves. The fire can't melt the steel. So you end up with steel frames standing, um, even if some of the walls, obviously if this building were to to burst into flames, the tables we've got here, the furnishings would would go up in flame. But the basic steel outline, which wraps us around in this building, that would stay. It's designed to stay. And yet here we had a building that just folded in on itself. That's World Trade Tower number 7. So here we are 20 years on down the track. Some people have said we know more about the sinking of the Titanic than we do about what happened on 9-11 in terms of agreed information. So there's all this sort of conspiracy stuff that has gone on. The Americans then responded by going into Afghanistan to get al-Qaeda and bin Laden and walked into a trap. We've covered that in the past. My own feeling, I was put onto this by an army officer, I was at a function, and he got talking and he said, look, I can't talk about this openly, but I'm giving the information to you for you to broadcast it, which I was happy to do because it was just an interesting take. And it turned out to be he was spot on. In other words, he was predicting that the West was walking into a trap. Now, of course, President Biden has honoured Donald Trump's agreement with the Taliban and pulled out 
Um, so it's interesting. For me, I'm fascinated by the way that Trump is accusing Biden of giving in and all the rest of it, but he negotiated the deal. Trump realised back in 2016 Americans were sick of continuing this war in Afghanistan, what was called the Endless War or Forever War. And um, so Trump negotiated the deal with the Taliban, not him personally, but he had representatives in the Middle East who negotiated the deal. He, he did the deal, but unfortunately he wasn't around to take the credit for it because that went to Biden. Biden won the election, and now, of course, Trump is criticising Biden. But ironically, it was all set up by Trump who ignored the Afghani government and negotiated directly with the Taliban. You'll listen to Global Truth with Dr. Keith Sudi. We're talking about 20 years anniversary of September 11 and uh, where it's gotten us in the world, really, which is, well, lessons learned, Keith. Well, lessons learned is you don't go into Afghanistan. Alexander the Great will tell you <laughs> I mean, no one's ever won a war in Afghanistan. Why the did British just... would tell you that. <laughs> Read Sherlock Holmes, Dr. John Watson, his biographer, who got wounded in Afghanistan. I know. So number one lesson, just leave Afghanistan alone. So, But standing back and looking at the bigger issues, one is that this is 20 years, which I think the historians will treat as being perhaps a turning point in American history, that they have wasted somewhere of the order of $2 trillion on Afghanistan. So that means that they were spending, on average, $300 million per day for 20 years. That's an awful lot of money, $300 million per day for 20 years. And yet the country is as poor now as it was back 20 years ago. Where has the money gone? It's gone to the big corporations. So I think a second lesson is that, as President Eisenhower warned us, there is this military-industrial complex in the United States, which makes money out of preparing for wars. And so the big corporations like Halliburton have done extremely well out of that war in Afghanistan. And so most most of that $300 million per day didn't go to Afghanistan. It didn't even leave the United States. It just went straight into the pockets of the big companies in the United States. So I think a second thing is the lesson of the military-industrial complex, a phrase that President Eisenhower coined when he was retiring from the White House, and I think he's been vindicated by that. I think another reason why we regard 9-11 as important is because it says something about the role of America in world affairs. So America was very much the leader in world affairs on 9-11. If you cast your mind back, the Soviet empire had collapsed. There was chaos in the Soviet Union in 2001. And, in fact, the Soviet Union basically died. It's going to be replaced by Russia and the constituent components of the old Soviet Union, like Ukraine. They're all becoming independent. So America was riding high, whereas 20 years down the track, America is now increasingly overshadowed by China. So China has done very well out of the American war in Afghanistan. And so China may well look back at 9-11 and say, well, this was... This gave us our window of opportunity to start redesigning the global economy with China at the centre, not Wall Street, it's China. And hence you've got this what's called the Belt and Road Initiative where you've got other countries working with China. My favourite example is that you can get on a, a train now in uh, on the coast of, of China, which so that's eastern China, 
and you go all the way across the giant Eurasian landmass and then get off the train in East London. So that shows you how they're knitting the world together through road and rail and air and sea. So that's another, I think, turning point. And I think that the issue for us in Australia has been uh, the way in which we have lost so many of our civil liberties. It's interesting to note that Australia now has 92 laws on terrorism. 20 years ago, there weren't any. Now we have 92. In fact, some countries reckon we've got more laws relating to terrorism than any other country. And now put on top of that, you've got all the QR code stuff whereby the government is monitoring where we go from one building to the next. So I think that we're, we're moving into a dystopian world where we are just simply being monitored all the time by government. And so in a, in a sense, we're all becoming like China now. China has moved it, of course, even further with this social credit system, which we've looked at in this series. But we're heading towards that as well. So yes, 9-11 was a turning point in world affairs 20 years ago. And it's not really, um, I, I think, it has got very few positive points or a lot of negative comments. And that's what I wanted to actually ask, Keith. You know, when America went after al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, they were going after extremism. You know, it happened yeah. on their soil, that kind of extreme ter- terrorist attack. And, um, and there was much speak about it at the time. But I, the way I see it, it's done very little to stem the tide of, of Islamic extremism anywhere in the world. In fact, we've seen... ISIS emerge yep. and be much harsher than al-Qaeda has probably ever been, really, one could argue. Yeah, my feeling is that we're caught up in a long war. It began in 1979. So 1979 was the year in which the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan and it's also the year in which Iran, under its new Ayatollah, threw out the United States from Iran. And it's a long war that could drag on for 100 years, 150 years. It's not so much... Islam versus the West. It's really a question of Islam coming to terms with the modern world, much like Europe's long war between the Protestants and the Catholics dragged on for almost 150 years, 1517 to 1648. Uh, We're going through a similar process, but in the Islamic world. But if we get in the way, we'll get shot by the Muslims. When you look at the number of terrorist attacks that have occurred in Australia and all the legislation, all the rest of it, and you should go to Switzerland, no terrorist attacks. Why? They don't get involved in Islamic countries. They let the Muslims fight it out among themselves. And I think the lesson is that we should just let the Muslims fight it out, which means, therefore, that you're going to get complaints because we're going to see women suffering in Afghanistan. But we've, tried, we've had 20 years of trying to change that situation, and we've failed. So it means that we're going to have to learn to live with the limits of Western power and our ability to influence world affairs. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.